you will never conceive naturally. Those words are harsh, painful, and heard far too often by women who want nothing more than to be a mom. Those words shook Christina McClellan's world. And she is here today to tell us her story and how she became a women's health advocate. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Christina McClelland is an author who grew up in Alabama and became one of the youngest art gallery directors in Atlanta at 28 years old. Now this has not a lot to do with your story, Christina, but I just wanted to put that in there and maybe you could just share a little bit about that before we get into your story and also your writing career. So welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Carol. I, I'm so excited to be talking to you today. So I, as you mentioned, I grew up in Alabama. I have always been a writer. People, it's a, it's a common question that I get when I do book talks, um, you know, is how long have you known you wanted to be a writer? How long have you been a writer? And I still have the diary that I started keeping in the first grade. Uh, so I think that there's, and, and many creative people will tell you that it's, you just kind of have it in you and you just, you don't. Mm -hmm but you don't know what to do with it. And that's how I felt growing up is I had all this creativity. I also had a little bit of, you know, a little bit of turmoil and drama as everyone does in their life. Uh, my dad passed away when I was 16 years old and I am the oldest of three girls. And so writing for me at the end of high school and beginning of college was my outlet. I mean, that was my safe space. That was my, that was, that was my place to go and retreat with my thoughts. Uh, so from that standpoint, writing has always served me in times that are maybe not so great. Um, and I think that there's a lot of power to be harnessed, uh -huh. you know, in hard times. And that's, I say that as a positive, when people are going through with the worst of the worst, you know, write it down if that feels yes, natural for you. Yes. Say it out loud. Uh, one of my favorite tools that I've learned over the past 40 years now that I finally am, am getting some good tools is the of course. Have you heard of that, Carol? No. Okay. So this, oh, it's such a gem. I love it because it makes so much sense. So when you are having an awful time or you're having some post-traumatic stress reactions um, and triggers to something and you start crying or you're angry and, and you think, why, why am I doing this? Stop and say to yourself, of course, of course I feel this way. And, and it really, if you pause and make yourself pause 
and I now do it with my children. It's that validation for yourself or for someone else. It's so simple, but it doesn't mean dwell. It doesn't mean, you know, Mm -hmm. but it means, yeah, I feel icky right now or I feel really mad. Of course I do. This and this, this, this happened to me. So it's validating, Pat, and, and that's going on a little bit of a tangent sideways, but coming back to A Circle of Chalk, the book that I published in 2020, which centers around female characters, and it all has to do with fertility issues, um, and specifically frozen embryos uh, that a woman loses in a divorce. And she spends 20 years trying to adopt back one of those embryos. And it's just, it was written, the book was written for women. Uh, or partners that, or friends and family members that would like to be supportive of any woman, as you said in the beginning, that has heard, you will not conceive naturally, or none of your eggs are good, or adoption is the only way. It is so incredibly hard um, to hear those words. And I'm just, I wanted women to read the book. And they did, thankfully, I will say, you know, through the flooding of Instagram messages and Facebook messages, that's all that I wanted with the publishing of the book is for one woman to say, right, that's me. Right. right. That's how I felt. And and feel validated in that. Back up a little bit. And let's start with your story. Tell us your story. So like I said, I grew up in Alabama, I uh, played junior tennis, and then I played tennis in college. And I mentioned that only because as with all of us, every little thread feeds into mm-hmm. your mental health and your physical mm-hmm. health. Uh, I then went to college, I majored in English and minored in art history. Um, so which is, you know, my mother said when I graduated, well, what in the world are you going to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I am not sure, but those are the things that I like. And I ended up getting into the art business. I was in finance actually for a little while and I got into the art business in the, you know, in the lowest part of the totem pole and worked my way up and uh, worked for a wonderful gallery owner named Susie Pryor in Atlanta, uh, became the director of Bennett Street Gallery and Pryor Fine Art. And that, that experience Again, now looking back, I can see how I was there for 10 years and I can see how that only helped me with empathy, sympathy. I'm mixed with all different kinds of people all day, clients, artists, Mm. um, delivery people. And you, I think the more um, you can open your eyes and see other people and hear other people, the more you can put into perspective what you're going through. And also, again, it's, it goes back to the validation for me. That's a really, really big uh, sticking point to give to people is to, to be okay, not being okay. And so that's so from gallery work to writing. So I had, I, I had my second child in 2014 and I stayed home after that to write the book that I had been wanting to write since before she was born, since before I was pregnant with her. And that's a circle of chalk. So starting in 2014, I started doing just crazy research, going down rabbit holes of um, medicine, the creators of IVF. I interviewed the man, Alan Trounson is in Melbourne, Australia. He is the one who uh, invented cryopreservation for embryos, Uh, is one of the earliest doctors to deliver a baby via IVF. Um, I interviewed dozens and dozens of women. 
and about their experiences. Uh, and then I was really interested in the early 90s when IVF was still really, really young. And some of the things that happened from a legal standpoint were just were shocking and um, oh, I bet and and terrifying and sad. And so that's where the story, Jenna's story, the main character in the book, that's where her story comes from real court cases uh, and real women who lost their frozen embryos and sometimes in some cases lost their only chance to have children because of that. So I published the book. I got the exact response that I was hoping for. Not that that's a, I want other people to tell me they're feeling pain, but I, I got so many wonderful replies of how it had just made women feel better, feel heard, feel seen. And it just has made me so happy. And that's why I love continuing to talk about it. I love continuing to advocate for women's talk therapy groups, um, online, you know, chat groups, social media groups, a way to, to get yourself out of your own room. For me, isolation is a, um, that's one of my go-tos, which is not good when I'm not feeling well. And that's really the worst place you can be. If you can get yourself out of that room and talk to someone else and especially another woman, and especially maybe someone who's been through something similar, it can mean the difference, the night and day difference between living life or living in a dark room. I like what you said here, and I'm quote, feeling alone is the worst feeling that exists. It is isolating and depressing and lends itself to hopelessness. The beauty of discovering that you are not alone is life-changing. So talk a little bit about that. Right. And it's important to know and recognize you can feel alone. Or for me, I'll speak for myself. I could feel alone in a crowded room. Uh, Mm -hmm. I could be in a room full of moms and feel absolutely alone, singled out and alone, like there was like a spotlight beaming on me that I was different somehow from everyone in the room. Uh, So that feeling of aloneness can come whether you are physically alone or not. But I'll tell a quick story that I think um, really tells my transition out of getting out of isolation is I was going through a really hard time in my late 30s. And you realize you start to realize that when you're dealing with one specific issue, take infertility, you don't give yourself the grace to look back and think it's the, of course, see, there it is again. (laughs) Other things have happened in my life that have compounded, you know, and oftentimes we get to a point where we just feel broken. And that's the hopelessness that you just mentioned. And I was spending way too much time in my room, in my bedroom with the lights off under a weighted blanket. And that was just all that I could drag myself to do. And one day it was raining really hard. And I saw a woman walking. There's this woman on my street that walks every single day, rain, shine, freezing. I thought, you know, if that lady can walk in the pouring rain, I can get myself out of my room. At the Mm. very least, I'm going to come out of my room. That's my first step. Long story short, as I was not too long after that, I was walking. I thought I can walk. I don't feel like doing anything else, but I can walk. So Uh, We come to literally our paths cross at intersecting sidewalks. I fell down on my knees, literally, and just started sobbing. And I thought, this woman is going to think I'm crazy. Oh, my goodness. And I said to her, she came over, and I told her, I said, I've seen you walking. This is why I'm trying to walk, but I just don't know what to do. And 
she, her name is Wanya Lucas. You listeners, your listeners can look her up. She is an amazing, amazing woman uh, who lives here in Atlanta. And Wanya started walking with me. She started talking to me. She started praying for me. And as it, it turns out, she, one day she asked me, she said, do you want to know why I walk, Christina? And I said, I felt very selfish because I thought, <laughs> well, I haven't even asked you. And she proceeds to tell me her story, which I'll let her tell her own story at some point. It's maybe printed in places as well, but man, she had been through some hard stuff. And for all of her accolades and professional uh, success, she had a lot of broken heart in her past. And that is why she walks. Mm. And I said, well, you got me out of my room and I'm walking now and I can now pray for other people. I can walk, you know, symbolically Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for other people. And so I, the, she's, she got me out of my room from out of my room. I found some good group therapy and there's just nothing better. There truly is nothing better than when you're in a bad place and you, de-isolate and you find even one, one human soul to connect with. And it turned me around. Meeting, meeting Wanya turned me around. Well, that story definitely touched my heart and I'm sure it's touching the listeners. We're going to talk a little more about what we can do to make those changes in our lives and what you did to turn everything around besides just that aspect of walking. So we will be right back with Never, ever give up hope. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. The Never Ever Give Up Hope. And today we're talking with Christina McClelland. And she's sharing her story and also other stories of people who have heard those painful words, you will never conceive naturally. And not only those words, but many words that we hear change our lives and change our focus and can devastate us. So Christina is going to share what we can do to turn that around in our own lives, even when we get devastating news and whatever else, Christina, you would like to share about your own story. Thank you. That Right, exactly. So no matter what the crisis, what I've tried to really narrow down on for myself the past couple of years in particular is whatever crisis I'm in, um, there's been a couple of books and a couple of tools that I have used that have really, really been life-changing. There's one, there's a fabulous little book called The Four Agreements. Um, Have you read that? It's it's a tiny, tiny little book. And one of them, I'll pull one from it. And it's always do your best. And always give yourself grace that you're doing your best. That's another thing we don't do for ourselves. We don't give ourselves, you know, number one, I had said the, of course, 
Number two, don't isolate as tempting as it is. Three, do your best and pat yourself on the back for doing your best. I keep a little note card. Um, I have actually little little note cards and post-its all over my house, mostly in my kitchen. And one of them says, it's right next to my kitchen sink, says, I will love myself every day because I know I'm doing the best that I can today. The second card that's under it said, I will love others because I know they're doing their best that they can today. (laughs) That's wonderful. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying I'm a master of this. This is why I need the index cards. Um, but I, I'd love to look at that every day. And that's one of the things that's from the four agreements, always do your best and know that's all you can do on that day and nothing more, nothing less. That removes the guilt, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And go, you know, I mentioned about my sports background. I have also done a lot of digging into my own brain and psyche in the last decade And trying to pull out, you know, some of sports psychology, at least for me, was not helpful in adulthood. Um, And it comes down to an issue of control, right? And then that goes back to fertility, a complete loss of control. When a doctor tells you, you will not conceive and you're thinking, but I'm a woman. This is what women do. Women have children. What's wrong with my body? So that loss of control is very, very, very hard for people who have been taught, like I was, that as long as you work hard enough or you practice hard enough or you do any anything enough, that you'll get the desired result. Well, that's not actually true in life. And that it's sad to say that that took me, you know, 30 years to figure that out. But that's one of the pieces of my own sports psychology I had to put out. And what I put in is... Yes, keep your head up. Yes, be resilient. Let yesterday be yesterday and move forward. Oh, which brings me to, there's another fabulous little book that you can pull out and just read daily pages. It's called Keep Moving by Maggie Smith. Mm-hmm. And it, someone gave that to me years ago. And uh, it's funny, I saw it when I was driving yesterday and I, I wanted to take a picture and then that's not safe. I can't have my phone out while I'm driving. So I didn't, but there's signs sometimes when you come to like a, um, a merging turn that say, keep moving. And I thought, ah, there it is again. But, uh, again, what seems natural or intuitive can get us stuck physically and emotionally. And just that act of continuing to move, continuing to breathe, continuing to write, uh, continuing to go to work, all of these things in the face of trauma and crisis are really, uh, really, you know, it's, it's survival at that point, but that, that keep moving is a great little book, uh, and great advice to tell yourself when you are just feeling really, really low. Well, self-talk is important, and I think saying it out loud so that you not only are saying it, but you can hear it, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. Another um, board that I have a dry erase board in my kitchen, I have I have two beautiful, beautiful children, two girls, and sixth grade and second grade. We have a board, we have a core feelings board in our kitchen, 
and it lists, uh, for the listeners who haven't seen one before, this can go in your kitchen. It can also go in your uh, closet if you don't want anyone else to see it. But it lists a variety of feelings, everything from angry, lonely, grateful, Hmm. happy. So, and it's, and you've got sad, hurt, pain, shame, fear, frustration, peace, joy, willing, hopeful, excited. And the idea is I have this up because, and again, this is not something I came up with. This was something that was taught to me. You have a dry erase marker and my sixth grader, for example, will come in and she will tick some of those things off, you know, especially on the left-hand column um, that she's angry and she's mad and she's frustrated. And she can talk about those things if she wants to invent or she doesn't have to. Um, And everyone in the family has to be respectful of every, of, of, of the person's wish at that point. The idea is though, that even though we think we're feeling only one of those emotions Mm. at a time, only angry, if we really pause, we're probably also feeling at the very least willing. Maybe we're feeling a little bit of love, even if it's a tiny amount, but to see that they're temporal, yes. they get erased. Yes. Sometimes within a minute, sometimes an hour or a day, or maybe a couple weeks. weeks. Sometimes these feelings, you know, hurt feelings last a long time, but they do fluctuate minute to minute. And it's a really kind of fun way to check in with your own emotions. I do it too. I do it every single day, multiple times a day, just to see where I am and then see if you're getting any of those like physical reactions. You know, if I'm watching a movie and I start to get a little tightness in my chest um, or a little, I don't know, I start my, my shoulders start going up near my ears, you know, some, something's triggering me potentially, something's bothering me. So again, to have grace and breathe and say, okay, again, of course, this is bothering me. I can feel it. I know why. And now I can, you know, in one, in some cases, if it's really starting to be triggering, I'll ask my husband if we can change the channel or I'll turn off the show and go to another room. But it's all, it's all goes back to that awareness and that the awareness gives you control. If you think about it that way, instead of having a loss of control and a feeling of not being in control of your emotions, it brings you back to a place where you can can say, verbalize, like you were saying, internally or externally, this is how I'm feeling. And for right this second, that's okay. I really like that. Excellent. I was writing all kinds of notes as you were talking. Now, is this, uh, is this board like available, just a regular white dry erase board, or do you um, buy it with these words already on it, like categorized? So I, and it's important to say, I am not crafty. My sixth grader is very crafty. I am not, but I did, I, for me, I just bought a, a plain dry erase board and I, I took a uh, paint pen and wrote core feelings at the top and then you write them all down. Now, you, I'm sure if you Googled core feelings or core feelings chart or board, it will probably come up. Uh, you're going to typically see on core feelings boards, negative, what you'd associate with negative feelings on the left side and positive feelings on the right side. And again, the idea is to see if you're to just be completely open, you know, when you're, when you have your marker in your hand 
and see if you've got any overlapping, you know, from both sides. And sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's all good. Sometimes it's all bad. But at the bottom, so for my board, I'm looking at it right now. We have our date. We have my core feelings. We have them all listed. Uh, We have I support you at the bottom. And then we have, this is mostly for for our two girls, an asterisk. And it says, only give advice if requested. (laughs) That's a big one. (laughs) Because also the person may not be ready for that. Right. I'm not right. ready for that if I'm, and again, that takes the onus off, say I'm doing it for myself and I'm, I'm having a lot of those left-hand side check marks. I don't have to fix it right this very second. I can wait 60 seconds and breathe or three minutes and then think about what my next step is going to be. But yeah, if you Google core feelings board, it's, it's a great tool and it's up all the time uh, in my kitchen. I love that. I really like it for kids because they very mm-hmm. often, uh, they they need time, well, we all do, but they need time to figure out their feelings, but also that they have that, they know that they can put it on there and they're not going to be challenged. So you don't have to say, how do you feel? What's going on? You know, it's already up there. And then when they're ready, they'll talk to you about it. That's mm-hmm. excellent. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I'll say um, just quickly too, I so as part of my healing, I uh, one of the wonderful things that came out of my crisis, years of crisis, was I had the idea to start a nonprofit tennis program for middle school girls in the summer. So I give free tennis lessons to middle school girls from South for a couple of weeks in the summers. And I the very I've done it for several years now. And the the first year I took the core feelings board and my my daughters said, mom, do you think they're going to like that? What if they don't want to, if they don't want to do it? I said, that's fine. I said, I'm just going to introduce it. I said, you know, if the, if people want to share, they can, if they don't, Carol, these girls, these were seventh grade girls that I started with. They're going into 10th grade next year. And we add every year, but my core first group of girls, they took to it immediately. Wow. We started, we, every morning it, turned out we would sit in a circle before we started any tennis and we go around the circle. You'd say your name, where your feeling, your core feelings are that day. And if you wanted to share or not share. And these girls were so open and kind wow. and supportive of one another. And one of the little girls came up to me after the first couple sessions and I still wasn't, they were sharing, but I wasn't sure exactly how they felt about it. And she said, I love the core feelings board. And I said, oh, I'm so glad. And she said, no one's ever asked me how I feel. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And I said, well, I said, I'm so glad. I said, I'm, you know, it just, it's, it made my heart happy. So I agree with you. I think I, I tell anyone to get a core feelings board for their children or for adults. Well, we have our homework. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I, I I wrote this down here. I'm getting this for my daughter and her family. I think this is a wonderful idea. And I certainly didn't even expect to talk about this today. But it is an incredible tool, uh, I think, especially for children and uh, for teenagers. Well, all of us. That's excellent. So mm-hmm. is there anything else that you would like to say to the audience in possibly encouragement or anything about anything that we talked about today? I would just say to, I'm going to again, push the, of course, the, of course is such a great tool. 
of grace for yourself. It's such a good pause tool. And the other thing that was really helpful for me is I thought about what works for me. You know, what, where do I feel most at peace? And again, that can be a physical place or an emotional place. And for me, I realized several years ago that I feel most at peace in an academic setting. And that was when I'm just completely honest. It's not, it doesn't have to be a cool answer, a popular answer, trendy. I am most comfortable and most at peace in an academic setting. So I, for example, this summer, I enrolled in an Oxford, at Oxford University in England. They do continuing education classes for adults, which I was so excited. I am so excited about. So I'm doing that this (laughs) summer. I signed up on a whim uh, and I'm going to go take a Shakespeare class. Because I know that my heart, that will make my heart happy. Just then getting books out to read or going to the library. I could, I would just go sit in my public library up the road and just sit in the quiet because that's where I felt most at peace. And so I would encourage anyone to take time to think about where they are most at peace. And then that's where you're going to find just a, just a brief pause in maybe what else you have going on in your life. Thank you, Christina. This has been rewarding in many ways. I really appreciate your words. I appreciate your story. I appreciate the challenge, the suggestions. You have been an encouragement to many. And your book, A Circle of Chalk, will certainly be able to be uh, purchased on one of the links that we will have and any of your other Uh, Links will be there where people can contact you and connect with you. And I thank you again for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Uh, Thank you so much, Carol. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.